And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Good morning. Welcome to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratlin here with John Penn and Brett Clanton. Keeping us on air. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you guys are off to a great start. Financial Fitness Friday. Richard Rosso is somewhere. Much cooler weather. Janet Yellen has officially left the building. Um, so a little bit jealous, not going to lie. So stock futures up a bit, a little bit mixed at the moment. 10-year Treasury yields are popped a tad bit, 4.32. Yesterday saw a pretty good day. Arm, biggest, newest IPO. Up 20% yesterday, up to 7% pre-market uh, overnight. So a lot of things kind of happening at the moment. University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment will come out here later today. We'll have to see where that goes, especially in light of higher energy prices. We've watched CPI, PPI come out this week. Uh, CME Fed Watch predicts that or expects we're not going to see rates move here at least at this meeting and we may see one later down the road but probably to you know not a whole lot of fanfare associated with that things are progressing things are moving quickly we're watching markets um you know as always but you know a lot of moving parts you know coming out of the pandemic all the stimulus that we've seen now we're seeing the inflation reduction act we are uh, have a little bit of a breather here from earnings, about a five-week breather before we see earnings start back up. So, you know, kind of watching where markets go at the moment seems like all systems go for the time being. Um, a lot of different news out. So, John, I know you're kind of watching and seeing you know, where things are progressing. We've seen China um, suggest that, you know, no more rate cuts in the future. Mm -hmm. ECB just hiked rates, said they don't envision having to they're at their terminal rate, um, you know, makes you wonder how much closer we are to that here domestically in the States, uh, which is clearly a big, big topic as we talk about bonds, what the impact is on the economy, um, you know, a lot of those things that are occurring. And UAW appears like they're going on a strike. So, you know, I need a new vehicle. You need a new vehicle? I need a new vehicle. What are you thinking about? I'm not thinking about anything. <laughs> prices are too high yeah i know i'm hoping i can keep mine too for at least i'm hoping knock on wood for at least two more years i the the vehicle i drive is it's just shy just shy of two hundred thousand miles and i think literally the most valuable items on it are the tires <laughs> and when i fill it with gas that's there now it's worth something you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we we had that same thing. We waited and waited and waited. And we historically drive vehicles till the wheels fall off. And, you know, it, it's worked out for the most part. But I finally got in a bind. And I was kind of waiting through the pandemic and going to wait, you know, wait till prices mm -hmm. really dropped and inventories picked back up and literally spent the exact same amount <laughs> on repairs over like a three-month period as I traded it in for. So I'm not sure my, my philosophy, I know it still works and it makes sense, but it sure is frustrating when you get caught in a bad time in a bind and you absolutely need a vehicle. Um, so we're going to push on if, if we can. But this UAW deal is going to be interesting. I mean, the amount of money that the auto dealers are, are have 
said they would give to the workers is it's quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're looking at, you know, lump sum payments, increasing payments anywhere from 14 to 20 percent. GM just came out and said they're going to up it to 20. Um, and the auto unions still say no, yeah. um, which scares me. And, you know, and in, in, in the domestic auto manufacturers defense, you know, they're saying, hey, we're going to strip what we, anything we can do in the future. We're not going to be able to keep up with some of these other other uh, auto manufacturers. And the workers say, but you just had record profits. You know, we need more of this. And, you know, inflation's eating away at everything. And so I get both sides of this, but, I'm, you know, this stalemate's going to, I'm I'm fearful that if it goes on for too long, you're going to see another supply issue. And I think they'll, they'll, they're going to work something out. But it's uh, it's another one of those things that's interesting to watch. That's for sure. Yeah, it is. I know. Our, so with our, our daughters, and both of our daughters are, they're older. You know, our oldest will be 23 in October. Youngest uh, is 21. She just started her junior year in college. And they're both, they both get after me, Danny. They're like, Dad, just come on, Dad, just just go buy another vehicle. Just why, why are you still driving that thing around? It's like, well, probably because our youngest one's still in college. <laughs> How about that? So uh, so that's why I haven't gone out and bought a new one yet, kiddos. <laughs> you need to start showing them their monthly bills. That's right. Here, here's how much you cost. That's right. So, And all I would do is just go buy another. It, I would just buy the exact same vehicle I'm driving now. It's big. I can fit in it. I can haul stuff in it. So, hey, you know, I'm a dad. What can I say? Yeah, no, we're, we're the exact same way. We historically did buy the same thing and then you know, <laughs> drive it again until the wheels fall off, which seems to be occurring at much quicker paces these days with three little ones. The one thing we've had to do is, um, you know, well, Dad, you got the money. Well, how do you know I have the money? Oh, um, okay. You know, uh, but so what's well, not in the budget is, is the word that we're mm-hmm. trying to use more frequently. Yeah, it's just not in the budget. Well, what do you mean it's not in the budget? Well, here's how much we're going to spend on these things. And so actually physically having that conversation with them to make them understand like, Hey, we just can't go out here and spend money. Cause you have money in your pocket. Um, you know, like my middle one will take money to the ballpark. I'm like, well, how much are you going to, how much do you have? Well, 60 bucks. You're going to spend $60 on concessions. Let's talk about how much of that is your, actually your net worth. <laughs> it's not hard to do. It's not hard. I to mean, do. just, you know, a couple of hot dogs and a Coke or whatever out there, bag of peanuts. That's it. You're in the hole. Oh yeah, he he's, uh-huh. he he knows he's not allowed to do it. He wouldn't do it. He's pretty. He's actually pretty good with money. But it's uh, it's funny to watch how different they all are. Where the <laughs> other two will let him spend his money. I'm like, did you bring the money? Nah, James has got it. Yeah, James will cover me. I'm like, I'm oh, okay, you're, you're you're learning here. It's uh, it, it's pretty fun. It's interesting to watch these guys as they they kind of figure their way around money. And I think that's one of the things we're going to talk about today is is that you know we plan for you know, how we're going to spend and what we're going to do. One thing that I think is, is failed often is that we don't plan for how do we take care of parents? Mm-hmm. What happens, and, and John, you've, you and I are having this conversation. Um, I've had a lot of clients who actually have had to do this recently. You've had the exact same thing. We thought this is a topic that is not talked about often enough, and I don't think it's, uh, you know, we've got the sandwich generation where you still have, you know, kids at home or you're paying for, they move back in or you're helping them out. And then you have parents that need care. And so baby boomers, I mean, I feel for you. I do too. You've got a lot of moving parts and it's just not talked about enough where people are, you know, there's no big roadmap or at least not, not one I feel like that's good enough. And so we're going to talk about some of those things. How do you navigate that? What are conversations you need to be having with your parents? And then also understanding that, when you're doing this, it's a little bit different from raising a child, right? When you raise a child, you expect that there's going to be this uphill, you know, trajectory. 
that they're going to get smarter. They're going to, you know, you have a roadmap. They're going to go to high school. They go to a trade school or college or move out. They start making money on their own. You know, uh, it's the opposite when we start talking about parents. So we're going to talk about a little bit about that. Um, talk about some estate planning. Got a lot to get into today. So, you know, some of these topics, obviously financial fitness. Um, want to talk a little bit about Roths and RMDs. Ooh, Roth um, IRAs. That yeah. sounds like a great topic to talk about. You know today. we like those. Mm-hmm. So, hey, stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Um, everybody on the YouTube channel, we appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, you listen to The Real Investment Show. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com Welcome back to the Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Pence. I know we just said we're going to talk about how do you care for parents in their retirement and their aging and things that they do? But wanted to talk a little bit about the exact age when you make your best financial decisions. I think this is, you know, we're going to put the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. We do it the opposite way, right? So studies show that the prime years for making smart financial decisions on average are age 53 and 54. And I find this interesting because we always think with, with age, we become, you know, we get better, right? Like mm -hmm. a fine wine. Um, but studies have shown, so they actually did a, an economist from Australia, the ARC, Center of Excellence in Population Aging Research, did a study. And it shows that typically financial literacy peaks at age 54. And they cited, they said, as we get older, we seem to rely more on past experience, rules of thumb, and intuitive knowledge about which products or strategies are better. And we make fewer financial mistakes, you know, credit card use, understanding interest rates, moving funds, taking advantage of, you know, the current environment versus maybe just sitting it and forgetting it. Mm -hmm. And I think some of this, John, is, is you know, as we're getting older, um, and especially, you know, maybe in a, your 30s and 40s, you're probably concentrated on just, shoot, keeping little people alive. I mean, I can relate. And I see a lot of families that they do a really good job with that, but then maybe they don't focus as much on the finances. They kind of set it and forget it. They don't think about what to do next or where to go. And then, you know, we visit with a lot of them and they come and say, I gotta, gotta admit, I haven't done much mm -hmm. with this. Um, and so I know you see a lot of this, what type of anecdotal evidence do you have kind of? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, especially, you know, when, when you're younger, you know, let's say if you're in your you know, thirties, forties, raising a family, I mean, sometimes, I mean, what I hear from folks is, hey, you know what, John, you know, my, my wife and I, we, we really want to spend more time with this, but it's usually, you know, 10 o'clock at night before we can even have a conversation. And by then we're ready to go to bed and get, it's time to get up and you know, kind of yeah. start all over again the next day, right? 
you know, and then, but then as you get a little bit older, let's say, you know, you're, you're in your early fifties, you know, I think it also really shows that, you know, by that time you've, you've learned from a lot of the mistakes that you've made previously, maybe you've gotten burned or maybe there was an investment that didn't work out as intended. And you've really, you know, educated yourself a lot because now, by now, if you're in your early fifties, you know, give or take, you know, you've got a lot of that experience that you can draw upon where you know, okay, okay, here's how I really need to set myself up moving forward, right? Yeah, and I, I think that's exactly right. And so, you know, they, they found in this study that you get these moments and they actually were able to pinpoint when people do best with different line items and, and things, expenses, or, you know, just things that you have to deal with as you're, you're aging. Now, I think that people make a lot of really good decisions at mm-hmm. many different ages. I think that, you know, we can all look back and say, wow, in my 20s, I did this really well. Um, you know, I would have done some things differently. 30, same thing. You can probably pinpoint times in your life that you've had something that you did, you were successful with, and you may think, wow, I wish I'd have done a whole lot more of this or a whole lot less of that. Um, but they say you get that eureka moment at 45. I'm still waiting on that. Um, you know, auto loans, 49.6, credit card, 50.3, credit card late fees, 51.9. I mean, they're going into quite a bit of detail here. Mm-hmm. Home equity lines, 53, credit card over limit fees, 54, uh, cash advances from credit cards, 54. Listen, do not do cash advances from credit cards. Please do not do that. Um, home equity loans, 56, mortgages, 56, small business credit cards, 61. And so, you can see as we're, you know, as we age, we do start to make those better decisions because we do have more experience with it. Hopefully you have a little bit more time that you can dedicate towards it as well. But, you know, so these are the small things and, and things that people deal with on a day-to-day basis. And a lot of it's just dealing with it as we, we gain more experience and knowledge. But, you know, what we were talking about a bit ago is that how do you prepare to not only take care of yourself, save for retirement, potentially keep kids at home or on the, still on the payroll, and then moving a parent in, I mean, I think that's extremely difficult. And so, John, you had some really good points you wanted to bring up today. Well, it just seems like this has been a common theme or a common discussion that I've been having with with a lot of clients lately. And actually, a conversation that I had not too long ago with a neighbor who lives directly across the street from us. And uh, we were out doing some yard work not too long ago, and we just kind of struck up a conversation. And, you know, he and his dad lives with them, he and his wife, his, his dad lives with them. And I said, man, how's your dad doing? He goes, you know, he's doing all right. And uh, I said, well, how was it when he first moved in? And because he's been taking care of him for quite some time now, he goes, you know, when, when my dad moved in, you know, my wife and I were prepared to take care of him for a while, but that was 15 years ago. So dad's been living with him and they've been taking care of him now for 15 years. That's a long time. Right. So so how do you plan for that or how do you adjust for that or how do you not burn out as a caregiver? And plus, and, you know, you talked about that sandwich generation a little bit, too, earlier, Danny, it's like, well, what if you're a, a younger mom and dad or maybe you're a mom and dad with younger kids? And how do you juggle both ends of that? Right. I mean, how do you get your how do you kind of get your mind around that? So um, but a lot of clients that I've been visiting with lately, it seems like a theme is that they are taking in a loved one. They're taking in mom or dad. And it's OK. It's one thing to get the house ready, get the house prepared and kind of dad proof the house so they don't trip or they don't fall and making sure that they're taken care of. But at the same time, I mean, they have activities for their kids and sporting events and they're having to juggle both ends of this. Right. Yeah. And then not only that, but potentially getting parents to a, a doctor's appointment yes. to 
you know, ac- activities, things of that nature, if they can't go do that themselves. Now, I know a lot of people that are still living in, you know, maybe their parents moved in, but they're still cognizant. They can still get around. Right. That's a different story. Um, and we may see more and more of that as we've seen, you know, retirement savings diminish. We're seeing uh, inflation higher. I think these are things that we may see that are a little bit more persistent. And, you know, like you mentioned, 15 years. I mean, what was mm-hmm. the expectation? Did, did you ever talk to him about that? Yeah, like, they, they thought maybe that maybe dad was going to be with them for maybe one to three years. But um, that was quite some time ago. So right? did he have a health issue or did he? And so they thought he was going to pass. Was that yeah, kind of it? Yeah. So but um, but he's just kind of managed to, to tick along. Right. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Well, he's tough. I mean, and, and but that's a that's a difficult situation because you, you you know, probably envision in your head, hey, this is just for a moment. And then 15 years later, you realize your life has changed substantially. Yeah. And while I'm sure it's been fantastic having him there, of course, um, it's also probably changed how you live your life. Yeah. Dramatically. I mean, I remember. So, um, you know, my my wife, she she lost her dad at a at a pretty young age. Well, so my my wife's family, her brothers and sisters are probably about 16 or so, about 16 years older than she is. And my wife and I are about we're, we're the same age. So her brothers and sisters are are quite a bit older than her, which, you know, so her mom and dad were on the older side too. And um and her dad passed away, you know, you know, when she was a when my wife was at a pretty young age. And uh, her dad was the caretaker for her mom because my mother-in-law, her mom, wrestled with macular degeneration. I mean, she lost her vision over time. And when her dad passed away, Danny, you know, then we all stepped in to become, you know, the provider for my wife's, for for mom, right? So, Mm -hmm. and we were, back then, I mean, our kids were little. And so we, luckily, my wife has a pretty large family here in Houston so we all chipped in and we all helped take care of mom. So mom would live with us for a couple months and then maybe would go with, go live with another sister or another sister would kind of rotate it around from one house to the next. You know, fortunately, you know, the macular g- degeneration was probably one of the biggest issues that, that, sh- that her mom wrestled with. Uh, she was also uh, wrestled with, with diabetes. So there was some insulin that we had to make sure that she was getting her insulin and, and other medications there. But uh, we, we took care of her within the family for, for about a year and then it just kind of got to the point where she needed care and attention that we just couldn't provide anymore. And yeah. so that's when you know, we had to start having those conversations around, you know, maybe we should start looking at a place where you can go still be independent, but, you know, you know, receive the type of care that you can really receive because we were just, we were just at the point where, you know, that was care that we could no longer provide, right? It became a medical and a safety issue at that point. Yep. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so we talk a lot about, I mean, how this is tied into money. I know all you guys out there thinking like, well, wait, how is this related to the market Mm -hmm. or financial plan? And this is one aspect that's really difficult to put into an actual physical plan unless you're planning for it. And many times that's not. And so, you know, sometimes something happens, life catches us by surprise and you do have to take care of a loved one. You know, what's your plan B, though? I think you guys, it was really interesting with what you just mentioned that, you know, you guys kind of had a system set up where every couple of months, Mom would move, um, you know, who, who would take care? And there's probably some good and some bad with that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe good for you guys to get a break, probably tough for her to, you know, uproot herself and, and, you know, kind of everybody get into a flow or get in sync with, you know, a daily routine, so to speak. But I think that's great that you guys found something that worked for everybody. You know, you don't find that often. And I find a lot of times that there is no plan B or they do live, mom lives with somebody for three or four years 
and they're just beat. That, yeah. And so somebody else has to step in and figure it out. Um, and I think that's really tough because oftentimes I think that, you know, you're just trying to figure out because usually this is done on the fly, right? It is, it's typically not planned for like really, really well. It's usually, hey, mom fell, dad had a, a, an issue, um, you know, we've got to take them home from the hospital mm-hmm. type deal. Mm-hmm. And that's usually how it ends up. Now, there are times when you can see kind of a, a progression and I think this is the toughest part when you do start to see, you know, kind of a decline in health or just, you know, mental state. That is really tough because having those conversations are something that, you know, nobody wants. I remember my grandfather, we had to take away his car. Um, we didn't take away his car. We took away his keys. And so we, we he, he still had the car. Make no financial sense whatsoever. Right. But it was it was the sense of freedom when he could look out and see his car down there and say oh i still got that yeah i can still get out of here if i need to this is independence yeah sure yeah but it's it's tough and so i think that you know having that plan b making sure that okay what happens if we can't care for mom or dad anymore who's going to step in but you know i think there's a couple other topics we could we can broach with this mm-hmm. and we're going to kind of move on but um a lot of things i think for you guys to think about that everybody should be in some way shape or form planning for at least having that discussion to make sure that nobody gets caught by surprise. So thank you guys for listening. You're listening to Real Investment Show. We'll be right back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com welcome back to the real investment show i'm danny ratliff here with john penn so the difference between coffee and your opinion is I asked for coffee. <laughs> That's well said on a Friday morning right there, my man. Yeah, Brent always comes up with some uh, some timely <laughs> jokes or quotes. So I figured that was a good one. So speaking about opinions, though, I would like yours. And so, you know, we've talked about a little bit of just, you know, some experiences that you've had with, you know, caring for loved ones, especially as they age. What are great conversation starters? Where do you go? Like, how do you start? Because I think that, you know, we we talked about this often. The most successful families with anything financial, they do a really good job of communication. Kids are involved in, in just regular, like, what you know, talking about investments, talking about finances, budgets, talking about, you know, any big picture item. And they're so much better off for it. And I think it's the exact same thing when we're talking to aging parents or loved ones that, but may potentially need care. And if we can get ahead of it, even better, because most of the time, you know, we're, like I said earlier, we're kind of, this is, we're doing this on the fly. So how do we go ahead and start having that tough conversation, John? Yeah, it's and it's it's hard because as the child, really, or the grown adult, I mean, you're still the child, it's kind of time for you to transition into kind of becoming that parent. And now you're, hey, mom and dad are, Ooh, you know, that's tough. That's hard, right? I mean, especially, I mean, 
you know, you know of course, you know, Danny, I was a perfect kid, right? I have no baggage in my life. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but it's time, you know, but it's it's time to make that transition. And that, that's always difficult. But you know, you guys, you know, like the kids may be scared about bringing the parents in, but they're probably scared to remember all the crap you did. That's when you were exactly young, right? it. Absolutely. So but it's interesting because I think, you know, and Fidelity, they they Fidelity Investments, they, they took a great poll out there. And, um, you know, 90% of people feel that this is a very important conversation to have with mom and dad. But of those 90%, only 27% have actually had the conversation, right? Wow. So it is a very difficult conversation to approach. And, and, you, and you brought up a great point, Danny, because I have noticed, too, that some of the most successful, you know, family relationships that I see are when I'm on a Zoom call or I'm in a meeting and, you know, mom and dad are there, son or daughter are there, the family is all together and everybody is open and transparent about what they have, where it is and what they're doing. And they're all together on the same page from a family standpoint and not just from an investment and how their money's positioned, but also from an estate planning standpoint and how they're going to take care of mom and dad. Right. I mean, and it's just all right there on the table, but that's kind of rare. Right. It's extremely rare. And I think a lot of a big problem with that, like I've I've had that conversation with many people and they're like, well, I really don't want them to know, like husband and wife, like how much I spend on X, Y, Z or the things I go do here. That's not healthy. I mean, and that's why, you know, Lance and I talked the other day about some of the bigger reasons for divorce or, you know, infidelity and financial infidelity. But getting these out in the open is, is extremely helpful. So, you know, what are, what are some, some topics or points that you would encourage people to You know, to I think, I, well, I would say start, ha- you know, this doesn't have to be a one-and-done conversation, Danny. It's something that kind of evolves over time. But it's better to start having those conversations when, hey, mom and dad are, you know, they're, they're still coherent. They've got it, right? And they can have a meaningful conversation because if there is some, heaven forbid, if there is some cognitive decline, dementia, or if there's also at that point, Alzheimer's, hey, at that point, it's too late. You're better off having these conversations sooner than later and start small. Like, for example, my own parents, my mom and dad. So my dad is, he's going to be, he's in his late 70s and he is still, he's extremely, extremely active and he loves going outside, cutting the yard, doing all the yard work. I mean, he, that's, that, that is his thing. And so every once in a while I ask him, so, hey, you know, it's just as you get older, how are you, how are you, what are your thoughts about how you're going to take care of the, the property out here? And just start, get them talking, just, just little things, just ask some open-ended conversations about, hey, how do you feel about this? Or, hey, how, how do you think you and mom are going to take care of the house here? Or, hey, you know, tell me, how, how are you able to, uh, you know, are, you, are you able to keep up with the property out here? How's that going? Do you need any help with this? Or, or maybe you can kind of tell a story about maybe somebody else you know that's going through uh, you know, having deal, you know, working with mom and dad, and just say, "Hey, mom, dad. Hey, I was talking with so and so the other day. Here's what's going on in their family. What do you think about that?" And maybe kind of, maybe that'll kind of start to get them to open up a little bit, or you know, just you know, recently, you know, a couple years ago, when my wife and I had all of our estate planning documents redone and revised, you know, talk to mom and dad. It's like, hey, you know, Shauna and I, we just had our estate planning documents done. Hey, Danny, when's the last time you had all of your paperwork taken care of? Have you thought about that? So just little kind of open-ended conversations just or open-ended questions just to get the thought process flowing a little bit. And then you can start getting a little bit more granular from there, right? Yeah, I think those are great suggestions because it is tough. I mean, especially if you if you call them and say, hey, we need to have a meeting about this. I think everybody gets on the, the, the defensive 
you know, everybody puts their guard up and says, whoa, hey, yeah. I'm not talking to you about this right now. But if you subtly start to bring that up, and then I think that gives you the segue into the, a really good discussion about it. And then maybe you can say, well, let's sit down and look at this one of these days and just review it. I want to make sure I have a good understanding, especially they may say, oh, hey, I made you the executor or you're going to be the trustee over the trust or, um, you know, I'm going to need you to do these things or here's my expectations. Because I think those conversations as well will lead you into the deeper part of it. Like, do you have a do not resuscitate? What is your who's your medical power of attorney? Mm -hmm. Who's good? Do you have a durable power of attorney for finances and medical? What does this look like and who's going to step in? And those are the really important parts of it, but kind of broaching that in a gentle way, like you just mentioned, I think is great. And Brent, I know you've gone through this. I mean, I think your issue with your father is probably getting him to slow down probably more than, you know, like, you're not worried. Like, how are you going to keep up with this? You're probably worried. Like, are you going to mow your neighbor's yard too? Dad's 94. Yeah. And <clears throat> this summer has been hard for him because it's been so hot mm. and he hasn't been able to go outside and do the things that he does. But that is one thing that has kept him young, physically and active, is being able to go out and take care of the yard, take care of the property, take care of friends that need to. We lost mom in January, so yeah. he's been staying busy, and, and that keeps him going. It's a balancing act. You have to allow them enough freedom to do what they want to do without endangering their well-being. Yeah, and I think that's the tough part because I know, I mean, I endanger my well-being on a regular basis. Cause I, <laughs> my, you know, my brain thinks I'm 20. My body says I'm in my 40s, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But dad's, dad's very um, realistic. Uh, he understands he's 94 and he can't go out and do things like he used to do. And so he listens to us, three children, in the things that we're talking to him about. You know, like, okay, what are we going to do with the house? Well, get a quit deed. What are we going to do with the cars? Well, you do a TOD on the titles. Mm -hmm. And so all that stuff is in place because we just went through this with mom, mm -hmm. and he doesn't want to leave us in the lurch. And so the, the plans are in effect. Yeah, that's great. And so that's that's a really good, probably, experience compared to what most have. Yeah. Right? I mean, you were also able to kind of, you know, you saw it develop over time with your mother than with, with him. And I mean, wow, to be 94 and to still be able to do all the things he does, like, I'm, I'm, you know, we can all pray and hope that we, <laughs> we have that, right? Well, not only that, but to have, to be cognizant, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, to have your mind to, yeah. um, you know, where, you know, so you, you usually see one or the other. It's really rare that you see both where, you know, good health, still be able to get out and about mm -hmm. and, you know, still have your wits about you. That's amazing. But he refuses to have a cell phone. So there's that. That's probably why. That's the secret. <laughs> That's probably it. He's got no stress. He doesn't worry about all the junk, <laughs> yeah. all the mess of the world. Nobody's telling him what's mm -hmm. happening every second. Yeah, good for him. That's that's pretty neat. Well, you know, and and I've I've had a lot of clients who've gone through this, and I think the difficult thing is too is like, where does the money come from? What does that look like? And then you can get some animosity at times too between loved ones, where you know, hey, you cared for mom all these years, but you know, I'm taking. And sometimes I've seen where. Um, have a family member that, you know, they cared for uh, a, a loved one, a sister cared for mom. And uh, they said, you know what? I don't need my piece of the pie when it comes to the estate. You, you forego, you know, you know, you, you gave up a lot to take care of mom. And so you take all my funds. You allowed me to go out and work. I thought, wow, that was a really good way to look at that where a lot of people would have said, Hey, you know, I need this. You didn't have the flexibility that I had because of it. So you take the estate over, which is, 
you know, pretty cool. Um, and I think it's really neat for people to be able to do that. It's like, wow, that's really mature of you. Because that typically doesn't happen. It, it, it does not. You And it's not uncommon when there are multiple siblings involved that there's one that or maybe two, depending on the number of the family members there. But usually there's one person that kind of does most of the heavy lifting, right? Where maybe other siblings aren't as involved in that. That becomes a that can become a real issue just from intrafamily stress. You know, not that, you know, taking care of a, of, of a parent who's, you know, maybe declining, that may, it, not that that's stressful enough as it is, but then if there's some intrafamily stress or maybe one, you know, if there's a you know, brother or sister that's really kind of not pulling their weight, that, that really, I, I see that a lot, Danny. We do, and sometimes it's just because, you know, geographically they're not near. Mm-hmm. They, live, they live across the country um, or their career won't allow them to do so, things like that. And I do see that as well, where there's a lot of animosity surrounding mm-hmm. that. You know, I did this. You didn't do anything for, for mom or for dad or for whoever it may be. Um, but then, you know, I also see sometimes where, you know, we're talking about the bad things because that's what most people remember. But I see some really good things as well where it's brought families together that have had a riff mm-hmm. um, where, you know, maybe you've got brothers that have been mad at each other for years and then, you know, something happens to mom or dad and all of a sudden – they're forced to get along and to make decisions together and to do things. And it's brought that relationship back. And so there's a lot of good from that aspect that can come from this. So, you know, I know, you know, like I said, it's easy to remember the bad or the, the things that went wrong, but there's a lot of good there's that can come from this as well. So I know for many years, probably like what in the world, um, you know, talking a lot about, you know, things that may or may not happen to you, but I can guarantee if this doesn't happen to you, it's going to happen to a loved one something that you will have to think about or maybe you can you know give this advice to somebody else down the road so thanks for tuning in we'll be right back you're listening to real investment show Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Welcome back to the Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn and Brent Planton, man in the boards today keeping us live so talked a lot about the conversations things you need to be thinking about as you know parents are aging loved ones potential care that you'll need didn't talk so much about the things that we typically do you know making sure you have your durable power of attorney set up making sure that you know a will is is you know dot your i's cross your t's do you have a trust what does that look like who's the executor who uh has power of attorney those are all things that i think are really important and you know that's another aspect that we deal with on a regular basis but all the things we just talked about are things that are, they're all tied together. And I think it's an easy way to start that conversation. So don't forego that part of it. Make sure you get to it because to start the conversation in a gentle way, the whole reason behind it is to get to that information, right? It really is. 
And, and so, John, do you have any other words of wisdom on, on what people need to be looking at when we're talking about that or just some experiences you've shared? Yeah. So here, here's something else, too, when you're, you're just talking about the estate planning documents and, you know, you want to make sure that those are all current, up to date. You know, like you said, durable powers of attorney, your, your medical directives, medical powers of attorney, you know, everything there. Um, what I notice from time to time, because like and you mentioned this earlier, sometimes when siblings or family members that are taking care of mom and dad, they're maybe kind of spread out in different places across the country. And sometimes it's, it can be difficult to kind of know where all of that estate, where all of those estate planning documents are, or maybe one sibling has those and maybe, you know, other siblings don't have access to that. So what I have seen as a great common practice with families is they use like an online vault or um, almost like, and Fidelity has a version of this, Danny, it's called uh, FidSafe, like Fidelity Safe, FidSafe. It's a complimentary online vault that you can use to upload and store all of these various important estate planning documents, you know, not only for yourself, but also for, for mom and dad. And this by no way is a promotion for Fidelity. You know, there are other entities that, that offer that offer these online vaults as well. But, you know, I think I, this is a tool that I've seen people use where you can upload, keep all of your like keep all of those documents in a safe, secure manner. And no matter where anybody is located, they can get access to these documents if needed. I, I just think that I just really wanted to mention that because I've seen that as a very great common practice that folks are using out there. Yeah, I think making sure access to documents is really important. Access to online bank accounts or where everything is. Yes. Having that inventory is extremely helpful. And that's one thing that I think if we think about all of the big picture items that most people check off, and I visit with a lot of different people and I'll say, what is, what's the one thing you wish you would have done differently? Like, oh, I didn't realize, you know, mom had these accounts or dad had stuff spread out everywhere. Um, you know, going through, you know, helping a couple right now, trying to consolidate funds that, you know, had a little account here, another one here, another one here, another one, and some of them not so little, but you know, you're tracking them down and sometimes it takes a, it's, it's a full-time job. It's a, it's a big effort to try to get everything in line. And then, you know, all the documents that each one of these firms requires. And so you may also want to start considering, you know, as they're aging, you know, do you start some consolidation? Do you start figuring out how do you make life easier later on? Um, And not only that, I think, you know, asset consolidation in that aspect is really important, but then consolidation of junk, like I've mentioned this before, like my dad has way too much stuff. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like something happens to you. Like I'm going to take off two months of work just to go through this junk, right? I mean, you know, we like storage units. We're going to really love them here shortly because that's I'm going to be required to just put them all in there and go through a little bit, you know, at a time. That's the stuff I think that needs to be talked about too. Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm a client that I'm working, great point, Andy, a client that I'm working with right now. Uh, she lost her husband earlier this year. And I mean, they have a beautiful home, beautiful home, but they have a lot of stuff. And I'm helping her right now go through, hey, there was the consolidation of accounts and making sure beneficiaries are updated and everything is, is revised and the way it needs to be. We're working with her estate planning attorney together to make sure everything is all taken care of and that's all buttoned up. But now her dilemma is, what am I going to do with all this stuff? Because none of my kids want it, right? So we got, she has to purge and start giving this stuff away. And that's, you know, you have to find a company that'll come out there and kind of take this stuff, you know, yeah, and that, that's I, not easy. I had that conversation with my father-in-law this week and um, he's like, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do with that. I know y'all don't want it. And I'm like, eh, well, probably not. 
Um, you, probably a good idea to start thinking about where that stuff goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, hope you're here forever, but, um, you know, when that time comes, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, we're not stuck going through stuff forever. Um, and so, and I think parents are, you know, and, and as we age, are getting a little bit more mindful of that in the sense that saying, okay, like you said, you don't, kids don't want all the stuff. Where does it go? So do you go give it to charities or something, you know, someplace or somebody that could actually need it? I think that'd be really nice. Mm-hmm. I was thinking uh, y- y- there's got to be a young couple somewhere in your universe of friends, your circles of influence, who are just starting out in life. They're living on, you know, yeah. rice and beans, and they're in an apartment, one-bedroom apartment. Find some kids that you can help and give them some of that stuff, and that, that legacy of giving and paying forward will continue. Agree. So there's some good and there's some bad with that. We had now, granted, we didn't have anybody pass, but we had people move all at once, mm-hmm. like had uncle, had no kids. Love you. Thank you. Gave us a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, her parents, they moved out of state, mm-hmm. gave us a lot of stuff. And so we had at, this hodgepodge of things. At what point in your marriage did that occur? Uh, at the beginning. Oh, okay, okay. And, and we had this little house. We had a three-car garage, and they, they viewed this big, empty three-car garage as a storage unit. And they're like, hey. I mean, literally, didn't even tell us. It just, like, showed up with a trailer. <laughs> well, that's different. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm in my early 20s, yeah. and, like, I'm trying to be as nice as I can, but I'm like, we don't want this stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's different. I mean, you yeah. and Michelle kind of had your act together. Yeah. I'm talking about kids that are really probably too young to be married in the first place. Yeah. And, and we all know them. Yeah, God we married much later, but yeah. But find Almost. someone that would benefit by it and don't look at them as uh, a repository for your junk. Oh, we were a repository. There's no yeah, doubt about it. But then difference. there's like, well, I can't believe you're going to get rid of this. I mean, <laughs> well, wait a sec. You got rid of it. What, what made you think I wanted it? Mm-hmm. But those are good conversations to have, too, yes. all along the way. Like, hey, what do you want? Who wants this? Because we see a lot of fighting over, you know, a a ring, an heirloom, or even a clock or a picture, um, you know, because parents may not think that, you know, oh, this has no sentimental value. And the kid's are like, I remember that. I want that. And then the other sibling wants it as well. Mm-hmm. And then you get all these issues that pop up. But yeah, I think that's a good idea. If you can find somebody that needs it, that you know, within your network, a group, fantastic. But for the most part, and even your home, I tell people, and I told my father-in-law this, and they have a, they're outside of Las Vegas, um, actually kind of look overlooks the strip in a master plan community. And uh, he's like, what do we do with the house? And I was like, Joe, I mean, maybe in 10, 15 years, we, we, we love it. Right. But I, I, there's no way we could use something like that. And it would be used very sparingly even then. So, you know, sell it. He's yeah. Like, Unless you're on a beach, the mountain or a river, like a vacation home, most of the time the kids sell it right away anyways. Yeah. That, so client uh, working with right now and they they have poured, their heart and soul into their house. They love their house. It is it is there, and that's a whole other conversation that we could probably have for another day, Danny. But they uh, their goal this whole time in talking with me is, hey, we want to pass this to our children. We're going to pass this home to our children because we know our kids want it. And uh, I've probably told the story before, but uh, here not too long ago, I had lunch with a client. He's like, I want to bring my son. You know, we can. I want you to meet him. We're going to have a great conversation. So we all got together for lunch, and I'm sitting in between dad and the son, and. And the dad's like, you know, son, hey, you know, when something happens to mom, it was the moment. He was just waiting to tell the son, you know, when, uh, hey, when your mom and I pass, we plan on, you know, giving the house to you and your brothers. And the son just stopped, put his fork down, kind of leaned in front of me because I was in between them. And he looked at him, he looked at his dad and he said, dad, I don't want your house. If I get it, I'm going to sell it. I mean, 
just like that. Air deflated out of the room. I was like, well, this Ooh. is awkward. It's like, uh, can I get the dessert menu, please? <laughs> I mean, it was it was brutal. Yeah. Yeah, and that's rough. But, but it was probably powerful. But at least the conversation was had, right? Yeah. So, so afterwards, what did dad say? Dad was... Uh, Check, please. Yeah, dad was a little little upset about it initially, you know, because I think it was it was kind of that emotional moment there, but uh, I think they finally come to terms with it, right? Well, I think that's difficult because especially things that you want or have been your baby, you have a lot of pride in, that may be just for you, not for everyone. Right. And, and especially your kids, we always want our kids to enjoy similar hobbies, things that we do. That's not always going to be the case. They're going to make their own way. And so I can understand that would be extremely deflating. But at the same token, at least he knows. Yes. And then they can make arrangements surrounding that. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. It's like, check, please. Uh-huh. So parting thoughts, John. If, if you know you had to share three or four things with somebody to make sure that they do, what would it be? I would say, you know, as, as hard as it is, start having those conversations with mom and dad now sooner rather than later especially if it's if you know this has kind of been back in your in the back of your mind for a while you know just start having those conversations it doesn't need to be anything serious to begin with it can just be a couple open-ended questions just get your mom and dad talking a little bit just just start that and I would say then as you lead in as that as those conversations get more serious um, you know look at those estate planning documents make sure they're all up to date uh, Danny this week I was reviewing uh, IRA beneficiaries with with a dad, and he had himself designated as his beneficiary. Well, I was like, you know, just yeah. little things, guys. It's those little things that you need to take a look at. No, right? I, I've seen some similar things. That that one, not so much. But um, but yeah, dad or somebody's passed away, you still have them as your beneficiary. Yes. I mean, these are really important things to make sure that you button up. And these are easy things. This is the low-hanging fruit that fix. we can take care of that are probably a lot easier than having those bigger conversations. So make sure you're up- updating your beneficiaries, looking at your accounts, understand where everything is, where it's going. Hey, Go by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Go sign up for our Candid Coffee September 30th. We're going to talk about, you know, progression planning. How do you plan for these things? And so Rich and I will go into quite a bit of detail, uh, a little bit more information than what we shared today. But thank you guys for joining us. I know it's a little bit off topic than what we typically cover. Hope everybody has a great weekend. We'll see you guys next week. 